0: I entitled today's message, Becoming God Sustained. We're continuing on in some different pieces of John here. And I I just want to begin with this thought. Church matters a lot more when you're implementing what you're learning. You see, sometimes when we think it's just information gathering, we kind of assess a message whether or not it was interesting or not whether or not it captivated our attention. But if indeed we are truly meeting with God and we're opening up God's word, then he is going to have a message that is useful to you or even someone you know that you will utilize either immediately or in the near future. In other words, it is not about you learning as much as you learning to implement we need to be able to put this stuff into play. Everything that you learn when you walk out of this place, you should be consistently praying, Lord, what does this mean for me? What, I, what should I do now? How ought I to be different so that I can live into your reality? Right? That's the whole point. See, Christianity is boring if it's not a Christianity of action. In the same way, going to church, if we are merely observing It will not keep your attention. It's got to be about life transformation and putting stuff into play. I would hope that every time you come to church, whether that is online or in person, that you would always be asking the question, God, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have for me, right? That is obviously the goal. Now, let's dive into this, and I'll draw your attention in a little bit to the fill in the blank. There are two primary aches, longings, in the spirits of mankind. There are two primary aches or longings in the spirits of mankind. Number one is the desire to be filled with good things. The desire to be filled with good things. The second one is the desire to control our destiny. The desire to control our destiny. In other words, we want to feel good and we want to be in charge. Anybody notice that, right? You look around the life around you, you're like, come on, I know that's what's motivating our decisions and our actions. Now the problem is, is that this life continually reminds you you can have neither. That is a bit of a frustration. If you ever wonder, why am I always in a bad mood? That is the reason, right? You are always being bummed out because what you want, you can't seem to get. The law of diminishing returns says this, That every time you engage with something, it fills you up just a little bit less than it did last time. That is the nature of a decaying world. So that car you bought was awesome on the lot. Three years later, there's already been three more models that came out. Now you're like, man, if I would only waited, right? That house you said, I could totally live in this for the rest of my life, started falling apart, needed new paint and all that stuff, and Right? I mean, as a matter of fact, that church that was so awesome, you started to see behind the scenes, and it was like, oh, hey, that wasn't quite what I thought it was. That dude you married, well, we'll leave that one, right? (laughs) The very nature of advertising is convincing you that the new product is the answer to your longing that you didn't even know you had, right? To promise, this time it'll be different. This time it will satisfy. This time, you will be full and complete. All the while, the companies know it's only a matter of time till you realize it's not going to fill you up. They know that, so they have to get to you quickly before you think through it too much, right? Because things in this world were not built to satisfy. That's not what they're for. When we have a desire, as I mentioned secondarily, to control our own destiny, The problem with that is that we want a positive, hopeful future, but we don't want the accountability today. So what that means is we must consistently create and reconstitute our religious systems to better fit what we want. So we keep creating new faiths. We keep creating new religions. Every new generation takes out the things they don't like about it, they don't agree with, and then we rebuild into a new one. But how much can you mess with truth until it's not truth anymore? How much are you going to mess with a religion until it's something that mankind created? And if mankind created it, it can't get you past the grave. You understand what I'm talking about? So we consistently have these, these disappointments But the truth remains that in this life there is nothing that truly satisfies. It's not built to. The secondary truth remains that any religion or faith that is designed or redesigned by man won't get us to heaven. So, what are we to do with our greatest longings? What are we to do with our future hopes? I got three words for you that's the answer. It's fill in the blank on that app in front of you or on the handout sheet. Three words Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Amen? Yeah, praise God. Right there, we're going to affirm it, because by the time I get done, that's going to be so clear to you. Jesus is enough. Christ is the beginning of our life, and he is the sustaining of our life. If we're going to become who God made us to be, we need to be sustained by Christ alone. We need to be sustained by Christ alone. Now, let me give you a caveat because there's a little bit of an agitation that comes from that phrase. I have never heard the phrase Jesus is enough preached more than at singles conferences. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, come on, what? Right, hey, Jesus is enough, right? You're like, hey, I'm lonely, whatever, Jesus is enough. And you're like, ah, this is irritating to me. Why is it irritating? Because Jesus doesn't greet us at the door at night. Jesus doesn't tuck us in. Jesus doesn't crawl into bed next to us. Jesus doesn't sip latte with us. So in what sense is Jesus enough, right? It's a fair question. You see, God knew this limitation and he called it out at creation. He called it out in the Garden of Eden. While God was personally and bodily with Adam, he said the phrase, it is not good for man to be alone. But God was there, huh? That's interesting, so in what way is Jesus enough? Now, this is gonna get a little bit tricky here, but try to follow me. You see, what we crave is not just being around people. We always say that we want that life partner, we want that person to be with us, and all those that were married were like, okay. (laughs) I thought that too. But I would suggest, and and, and in a moment, I'm gonna have you raise your hand, but I need to give you the rules first so you don't get yourself in trouble, okay? In a moment, I'm going to ask you, have you ever been in a toxic relationship? If they're sitting next to you, just wink. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Anybody ever been in a toxic relationship? Yeah, okay. So obviously, just being with someone in a deep way is not always fulfilling. As a matter of fact, sometimes it can be less healthy than not having anybody at all. There are some of us that have become more lonely in a crowd than we are when we're by ourselves. So proximity to people is not the solution, yes? We know we need people, we know we crave people, but it's not just any people. It is certain types of people and certain types of blessing that they bring. And you wanna know why that is? Because you are actually craving God. And here's what I mean. When you look as a child for assurance from your parents, you're not looking for your parents' dysfunction to respond. You're looking for God to speak through your parents, right? When you are coming to your friends for compassion and affirmation, you don't want their opinion. You want the Holy Spirit to speak through them to you. You see, when you are scared and you want protection from someone, you're hoping that God empowers that person to protect you, right? When it's a spouse, it's the godly parts of our spouse that fill us up, not the other parts. So the bottom line is that we are actually craving the image of God in people. We're still craving God. We are craving him in a different type of container, in a different way. God flows through every human being in a very unique way. And what we want is more of God. It happens to be contained in people. So simultaneously, these two things can be true. Jesus is enough and you need me and I need you. Do you understand why? Because truly it is God in us, the spirit calling to spirit. It is still, you guys, that's why fellowship is different than just hanging out because there's something powerful when there is the living active of God breathing through your friends, breathing through your family. That is what builds you up. You still want more God. You just need him in a different container, right? Let me share with you... Uh, A truth, just write this down. Uh, It's not gonna sound that impressive. Later on, you're gonna reflect on it, and you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's brilliant. (laughs) Not really. God provides indirectly through community what he does not provide directly from his spirit. God provides indirectly through community what he does not provide directly from his spirit. In other words, Community is designed to fill up what God doesn't give you straightforward. I'm gonna use an illustration I totally just made up, which means it is questionable. But here's the point. Air, we all need air to survive. And for... The most part of our lives, we can just have the air directly, and that is how God blesses us. By everywhere we tend to walk around, we have the air of God, and that is, that is good. But there are a few environments where we can't have air the same way. We need it in a different container. For example... When you are scuba diving or you're in space, you need the same air, but you need it in a different way. It is not available to you like it's always available to you. It needs to be packaged into a vessel and then given to you at the right time in the right way. I'm gonna suggest to you, we always need God. We always need Jesus, but sometimes when we're in the social sphere of reality, we need it through the containers of people. Does that make sense? So we need more of God, but sometimes the best way he's gonna get through to you is through me and you and the person sitting next to you. We still need God, just in a different container. If we abide in Christ, if we live connected to Christ, we will live. If we try to survive on anything from this world, we will die. And that leads us to the message today. Would you turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 24? John chapter 6, verse 24. If you're following along in the ESV, it is page 891. eight ninety-one. If you need a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. That'll help you get there a lot faster. Now, context is everything. If you know the context, it changes what you're learning. So let me give you the context for this passage. Really, we're going to be studying a conversation Jesus had with people as he was walking from the seashore to a synagogue. He's in the town of Capernaum, and as he walks along, he's going to start dropping truth bombs, and he's going to be saying them in such an offensive way that by the time he gets done, the Bible says, quote, and many disciples no longer followed him. Like, this is a brutal conversation, But four times in that conversation, Jesus says the phrase, truly, truly, I say to you, which means this is really important. If we have a conversation where Jesus says four times, this is important, then we need to talk about it, yeah? No matter how crazy it sounds, I think when we dig into it, we can appreciate it. Now here's the importance of the context. Number one, it is Passover season. That is going to have a little bit of a play in this. But the most important factor to realize is this conversation happens the day after a mega ministry event. And what I mean by that is that the day before, Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with five loaves of bread and two fish everybody was stunned he did healings there he did preachings there it was so powerful that it says one group of jews tried to force him to become the physical king of the jews he then bailed out on them withdrew sent his disciples across the lake and he withdrew to pray now that night not having his own boat He comes walking on the water and joins the disciples and they go to the other side. So now everybody that flocked around to see the miracle man are on one side of the lake and him and his disciples are on the other side of the lake. They get up in the morning and they're like, where's Jesus? That's where our story begins. Let's go ahead and take a look. John 6, 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus, totally ignoring their question, answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs that would point to who I really am, but because you ate your fill of the bread. Let's pause for a moment. Why are you at church? Why do you follow Jesus? Why are you a Christian? I think motivation matters. Now, I will, before you start to panic... I will let you know that I've actually never met anyone that follows Jesus with pure motives. That's actually not a thing. I would hope that you have more pure motives than less pure motives. I would hope that you are actually here because you want to engage with God, that you wanna know more about him, that you wanna hear his revelation, that you wanna worship his name. I hope that you're here for the right reasons. I don't know if that is true, But Jesus noticed that a lot of the folks in his crowd were not following him for the right reasons. They loved the flash, and they loved the stuff. They literally got some really good bread. I would imagine, right, that if Jesus multiplied bread, it was probably pretty yummy, right? I don't know what kind of baker he is, but, I mean, he's the king of all creation, so I would imagine it's pretty good. So they had this, and they're like, yeah, we want to get more of that stuff, and Jesus called them on it. Now that seems like a terrible idea. Why would you confront people? Like, Why don't you just let them keep coming? Why not just get a bigger crowd? I mean, isn't that what ministry is about? Like you get a bunch of people together and hey, they're all in different places, just let them hang out with you. Man, that's what you should do, right? If you wanna be famous. But Jesus didn't care about being famous. He was in for transformation. And he was like, hold up, before we go any further, we need to have a talk. You're not here for the right reasons. So let's talk. And he calls them on it. Hmm. I want you to write down this phrase. The greatest thing about heaven is not the stuff, it's the one waiting for us there. The greatest thing about heaven is not the stuff, it's the one waiting for us there. If you can truly say that, it's going to purify a lot of why you do what you do. You guys, let me be honest with you. The Bible, when it describes stuff about heaven, I know it's just imagery. It's not all that impressive to me. Streets of gold sound really slippery in the rain, right? Sounds kind of garish, kind of weird, you know? And I understand those are all images because what it's really saying is that what we value so highly here on this earth is just pavement in heaven. You understand what I'm saying? Like it's, it's powerful imagery, but I don't really know what's there, so I can't really look forward to it. I can't really get too excited. I know concepts. It's going to be adventurous, and it's going to be all this. Do you know why I want to go to heaven so bad? Because I finally want my muscles to relax when I see my Jesus face-to-face and realize he receives me, he loves me, and I never have to be away from him. That's why I want to go to heaven. It is not any of the stuff, I don't care about the stuff. And so I'm just, I'm asking consistently for you to question your motivation, why do I want God? Is it what he can give to me? Or is it because of him himself? That's what's so important. Hmm. Pick it up in verse 27. He said, oh, so about your motives, do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Let's pause. What is work? This is, a, this is kind of a trippy concept. Work is you trading parts of your life for something. Some of us are at a job eight to 10 hours a day. Man, that is a lot of time. You see, in prior generations, money used to be a big thing. I feel like it's not so much a big thing anymore. Now everyone's impressed with time, right? Like you realize you have a limited amount of time and man, I will pay just to get clear time to be with my family. I will pay in order to have time with my friends. Like we now know time is a big deal. Well, you're trading your time. You only have so many hours on this planet, you're trading your time for something. What are you trading it for? Because if you're just trading it for cash and then you blow that cash on something that just falls apart, you're going to be pretty disappointed with your life. So Jesus calls him on it and he says, hold on, while we're talking about this, when you're living and you're working, can we please keep an eternal mindset? Can you lift your head up and look at me? Keep me in constant view. When you go to your job, I want you to go to your job. But your job isn't just a job. Your job is an opportunity to minister and love on people. Your job is an opportunity to pray for your coworkers. Your job is an opportunity to have divine appointments. Your job is an opportunity to be able to gather something together and figure out how do I invest in the kingdom with the money that I'm receiving. Your job is not just a job. You gotta keep your head in the game and realize there's more important stuff than just money. Verse 28, they said to him, all right, cool. So you're talking about what's most important. Let's talk about that. They said to him, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you continually believe in him whom the Father has sent. I don't know if you saw how important what we just read is, but I'm going to dig into it a little bit. Here's the problem. The Bible says that salvation has been offered to all people. Did you know that? For God so loved the world, that means everybody, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life, right? He has said, it's a wide open call. It's the whosoever can come to me. Jesus said he died for the sins of the world. So... The payment has been made for all, but not all are going to heaven, right? So this is the big dilemma. What determines who's going and who's not? I mean, Jesus died once for all, so what is the big determining factor? I mean, this is the number one religious question is how do I get to there from here? What do I gotta do? And it has shaped pretty much every faith and every religion. What stuff do I need to do to get there? For many, they would even be willing to say, what must I do good so that I might earn the right to be able to go to the good place, right? That's the big question of the ages. What must we do to be saved? What must we do to be righteous? What what must we do to to please God? So then you you have that question in your spirit, so you start reading through the Bible, and you start running into some really confusing stuff. Jesus does it. John the Apostle does it, right? They start saying stuff like this. John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You're like, oh, shoot. Well, what's that? Like, I don't, whatever that is, I don't want to do that. First John 5, 2 through 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, whatever these commandments are, I got to be doing that stuff, right? Here's another one, John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, I love him. I want to keep his commandments. What are his commandments? Right? Like this is freaking me out. Every legalistic person and every legalistic church has been formed by a misreading and a mistranslation of this concept. You know how I know the answer to it? It's because Jesus gets to define his own terms. If he says there's a commandment, he gets to tell you what the commandment is. So what's the commandment? You know where we find the answer? In the passage we just read. You just read the answer. Let's go back to it. It says this. Jesus said, right, whoops, I just jumped my page. Here we go. Jesus answered, this is the work of God. This is the commandment of God that you continually believe in him who the Father has sent. That's it. There's your commandment. No wonder he said it's not burdensome. That's your commandment. Well, every one of us, we hear that and we go, yeah, 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 what else? Uh, No, that's it. Wait, what are you saying? I'm saying you need to believe and have faith in Jesus Christ that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. Yes, that sounds important. What else do I do? Hold up. I don't mean to insult you, but you actually don't have anything to bring to the table. So I, I'm not trying to be rude here as God, but I'm just trying to tell you that if you had anything, I'd ask you for it. You just, you're just you not really good at that stuff, right? Like you keep going, what about my righteousness? Ah, your righteousness is pretty lame, to be honest with you. Like you're, you know, you like help the old lady across the street and then you killed her dog. It's like, whoa, dude, that was like a wash. Like what, what are you doing? You're not good at this stuff. Like, yeah, I would have you earn something if you ever actually did anything what I'm saying is you don't have it it's all me or it's nothing like I got to bring everything to the table I'm saving guy you're sinning person you're really good at that (laughs) but I'm saving guy so I got to save and when I'm doing it I'm doing it all that's why it's called in the Bible a free gift of eternal life. It says we inherit. We don't get a reward of eternal life. It's not a performance-based issue. It's, it's an absolute free gift. So you have to lock that in your mind. What must I do? Fall into his hands. That's it. Like he goes, no, no, no. I put it into a big package and I slide it over to you and you open it. Okay, cool. After I open it, what do I do? That was it. Just open it. You see, the rest of the Bible has a lot of things that are good for remaining connected and for living abundantly. All those rules, regulations, comm- they're all important. Just don't put them in the salvation formula. Do you understand what I'm saying? All that other stuff matters, but it matters for something else salvation is only faith, that's it. The Bible even says it is not by works, lest anyone think they're doing good stuff and they get cocky about it and then I lose them anyway. So, burn it in your mind. What is the one thing required of us to be saved? Believe Jesus. That's all we got, yeah? So they said to him, All right, you're asking us to trust you an awful lot, right? You're like, oh, let's get rid of that religious system. Okay, that's my whole life. That's thousands of years. So you better be right, dude. Verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign, what miracle do you do that we can see you and truly believe you? What work will you perform? You see, our forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness with Moses. And as it is written in a couple Old Testament passages, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. What do you got? Now, it seems awfully random that they would pull in a manna story, right? You're going, oh, that's kind of a non sequitur. And it would be unless the day before he just made bread, right? Oh, we're talking about bread. Hey, dude, that miracle you did by feeding all those people, that was awesome. But there was a bigger one. Now, if you're a true prophet of God, like Moses' stature, You're going to have to do something bigger than what you just did. What you just did was awesome, but you're asking us to trust you. You better do something mega awesome for us to do that. What are you going to do? Verse 32, Jesus replied, well, first of all, your Bible reading is terrible. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't even Moses who gave him the bread from heaven. It was my father. So first of all, you quoted it wrong. Let's get that right. Go to verse 34. And they're like, all right, whatever. It, it's important bread. I get, okay, give us this bread. Verse 35. Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What's he saying? I'm the better manna. You guys are so impressed with a manna thing. But it was bread, and then it was gone. I'm living. I'm your sustenance. I'm everything you need. I'm your source. I'm what keeps you going. I'm it. And I'm living and active and engaging with you and all that. It's that I'm the bread of, what does bread represent? In most cultures of the world, bread is a staple of the food, right? In other cultures, it's rice. Either way, it's carb, Yeah. So you have this staple. It's, it's people are literally ingesting something and it's giving energy to their bodies and they're moving forward. And so he's going, listen, that which makes you continue to go, I'm the best version of that. I'm the best food. I'm the best drink. In other words, anything that matters is gonna come from God because he's a source of anything that matters. Yeah? Pick it up in 36. He said, but here's the problem. I said to you, you've already seen me, but you don't believe me. Like I've given you the offer, you're not buying it. Go to verse 40. So this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. Once again, why is belief so important? It's all you have. That's why it's so important. You can't go another route because you don't have anything else. He does all the work. We engage. That's it. Is that hard or is that easy? Well, I've shared with you before. If you're fully yourself, it's hard. If you're desperate, it's easy. Right? Because if you've got nowhere else to go, what are you going to do? Open the package. But if you're like, I don't need any more stuff. Well, I guess the package remains unwrapped or unopened. Here we go. Verse 41. So now the Jews are ticked off. So the Jew, and when it says Jews, it means leaders. So the Jewish leaders grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They couldn't believe that. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter guy, whose father and mother we know? Like, he didn't come from heaven. He came from Olive Street, like two blocks over. We know this guy. Oh, you came down from heaven. How does he say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus said, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can even come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Hold up. You know what's hard about my job? You didn't ask. I'm going to tell you. This is part of my therapy. You know what's hard about my job? I, t- I do a lot of work to try to present well. I do a lot of work to research well and to be convincing. And and honestly, I have to admit, I feel like I can be pretty convincing, right? Like, I feel like if I work hard enough on it, I'm like, yeah, I can be convincing. Like, almost like cult leader weird. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? And it's kinda like, oh, I'm glad this guy's legit because something's wrong with that dude, right? And I'm like, here's the problem with my job. None of that matters. Why? You see, at this church, we're not interested in pressing. We're not interested in just being famous. We're interested in true life transformation and no human being can do it. Literally, if I'm awesome at my job, nobody still gets saved. Like I could convince, nobody has ever gotten saved because they were convinced into it. Nobody ever received Jesus because it was a good idea. It's either all God or it's nothing. It's literally he opens your eyes, opens your heart, opens your spirit, or it remains closed. No human being is going to argue you into the kingdom. Nobody is going to say the right things, and you're going to get saved. Either the Holy Spirit does all of it or nothing, so I could be awesome at my job, and nobody still gets saved. Do you understand that's why our pastors get prayed for before every Saturday, before every Sunday? Why? Because we know it's not us. That our job is just to be a vessel to do our best, but ultimately, if anything legit is gonna get done, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is God Himself, amen? It says this, verse 48 Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness with Moses and they all died. This is the bread, I'm the bread. That comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Okay, you know what I heard there? I heard this. As I said, manna was an amazing experience. You literally would go out every morning and there was stuff on the ground you could scoop together and make pancakes and waffles and bread and sandwiches. I mean, this is legit God bread, shows up on the ground every day. Would, can you imagine that miracle where you know God is present among you? You know that you've been touched by him. It's valuable to you, and it's an incredible experience. As a matter of fact, it even sustained you. It physically went in your body and kept you going through the desert. It was amazing. What was the problem with it? They still died. What does this have to do with us? That is the ultimate danger in only chasing experiences of God And not God himself Listen, I gotta tell you We are leaning, as this church, we're leaning into the experiences of God. As a matter of fact, what we want is more experiences with God in this place. We want this place to be so rich with the power of the Holy Spirit. People are getting healed and saved and we didn't even say anything. Like we are so interested in having times where while worship is going on, people are just engaged with God and there's tears coming down their eyes, right? Like we want experiences with God, but we are very clear until it translates to a better relationship, with the giver of the miracles we're not done yeah so experiences are good as a matter of fact some of you would have experiences here you've had an emotional connection with god some of you have even been healed you have been physically sustained by a relationship and an experience with god but what's the problem we're still gonna die so unless we have gone to the one that gives the good things, until we are connected to the very source of where all that experience comes from, we haven't yet begun. Our job is to fuse with God. That's why we're here. It's the only thing that matters. Hmm. Jesus keeps saying, well, my flesh is that bread, my flesh is that bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread. I'm the bread. Huh. Is that just weird or is that practical? You ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? You heard that phrase? Why did they say that? Because you're taking something external, you're consuming it, and it becomes a part of you. Does that make sense? That's kind of just practical biology stuff, right? Okay. So we have to live off Christ. What do you want to call it? We'll get into that in a moment. But what do you get? Do you understand that being connected to God is not just a ticket to heaven later. It's a real life right now. So if that is the case, what are we getting from remaining connected to God in this life? What are the benefits? Well, I'll tell you this. If you have Jesus, one of the first gifts you get is a person. His name is the Holy Spirit. He says, if you trust me, I'm going to send to you the helper, the Holy Spirit, a person of God, and he's going to dwell in you so that everywhere you go, you will never be alone, you will always be empowered, you will always have me with you, and I'm going to be ministering to you and through you. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he's got all kinds of cool stuff that he brings along, right? As a matter of fact, we get a partial list in the Bible. It's in Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The problem is is that too many of us have grown up in a legalistic mindset. We see that as a to-do list. It's not a to-do list. It's a promise blessing list. If you have the Holy Spirit, this stuff just comes out of you. Your job is not to work harder. Your job is to clear up the conduit. That's When you you go, man, why am I so low on patience? Because there's a disconnect between you and God. Man, why is it so hard for me to love somebody? It's not because you're not trying hard enough. You don't have it in you on your own. It's got to be a flow of God in you to where you have such an abundance you can't help but give it away. You're like, man, I got too much love, got too much love, I got to give it to somebody. Right? So... You see, there is a blessing and benefit to being connected to the source right here, right now, every day. And I think you and I need more of it. That's what I think. Verse 53. Jesus doubles down on his creepiness. He said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Ew. Do you know what the actual Greek translation is in verse 54? Whoever loudly munches on me continually. (laughs) That's so bizarre. That's of course where all the disciples are like, I'm out, (laughs) right? Like the whole cannibalism thing kind of threw me, right? We were all cool till then. Okay, so what's he saying? Once again, it's practical. Why is it practical? You need to get that which is external to you internal. How are you gonna do that? What do you wanna call it, right? Cool, so Jesus dies on the cross and he sheds his blood. How are you gonna get that blood in you? Now Back then, they didn't have trans, what, transfusions. Maybe he would've used that one. That would've been kinda cool. How are you gonna get that which is over there into you? Like he died on the cross, his body, his sacrifice. How are you going to get that in you? Because you need it in you. You need his sacrifice in you. You need his blood of the new covenant in you. You need all that in you. So how are you going to get it in you? In his mind, he was being as simple as possible. And he's like, well, the only way I see in society where we get stuff into us is we eat it. We drink it. And it becomes a part of the very core of who we are. So yeah, do that. Like, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just trying to be practical. Get it, the outside thing, into you. And everyone's like, I don't understand. Oh, he must mean communion. He doesn't mean communion. He means get all that he provided for you into you. How are you going to do that? I don't know. But you got to do that. It means remaining connected, having a relationship, letting it flow, reading his word, worshiping his name. It's a whole bunch of stuff, but it just all has to keep getting inside of you. And since he's talking to some some folks that were not educated, he wanted to go simple. And the only analogy that made any sense was eat it and drink it and it'll become a part of you. That's it. You see, as we close out, could I have uh, Rayon come on out and lead us for a moment? I want to take some time and pray. I want to pray for two groups of people. There are some of us in this room that for the first time ever, what I said resonated and you went, it's legit. You don't know anything about Christianity other than you know there's a God and you know you need to connect to Him. That's it. I'm giving you an opportunity today to connect to Him. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you in a moment to, we're all going to be praying and our eyes are closed, so it's not a pressure thing. But you're going to, in a moment, you're going to lift up your hand to God and say, Pastor's talking about me. I want to be rescued i want you to go through and cleanse me i want you to take away all my sin and all my garbage i want you to make me new again i want to start over again i want to be what you actually intended i'm tired of this life i don't get it everything is so lacking you're the only thing that matters i don't know how it works but i know i need to be rescued in a moment that's who i'm going to pray for But then there's another group I'm gonna pray for, and you might be like me. You're pretty disappointed that your peace level is a little too fluctuating, right? Says the fruit of the Spirit is peace, and I'm looking at my own life, and I'm like, well, I'm peaceful on Monday, I'm not on Wednesday. Like, what happened to the conduit? How come there's not a constant flow? Why am I running out of patience after everything Jesus has done for me? If you, and I'm going to pray for you, if you are going, Lord, I need you to teach me how to be connected more, how to be connected more, how to be connected more, because I want this. I want to live in the fullness, God, of everything you have for me. I want to be able to walk in your authority. I want to be able to walk in your power. I want to be able that when someone hurts me, I want it to be able to hit me. I can feel it a little bit, but then I default to my identity in Christ and I can turn around and love you back. Not because I tried harder, but because it just seems the most natural thing to do. If you're like that, like me, I'm gonna pray for you. We ready to pray? All right, let's do it. Let's just get into a posture wherever you feel comfortable of praying and your eyes closed. I do that so I don't get distracted. If you right now would like to have Jesus come in and purify you and clean your heart and clean your life and let you actually be connected to God for the first time. I need you to just raise your hand. Who else? Yep, who else? I'm going to be praying for you. Yep, I, I got you, I got you, I got you. Yep. All right, here we go. I'm going to be praying on your behalf. You pray in your heart along with me. I'll give you the words. Here we go. Lord, He's talking about me. Jesus, I need to be rescued. I don't, I don't even know what I need to be rescued from. All I know is that this can't be it. All I know is that I, I've kind of only been able to live for me and, and it's not impressive enough. I, it just doesn't seem right. So Lord, would you come and take care of me? I lay out before you everything that I've made and it's, a bunch of it's yucky and, a, and some of it's good. I don't even care, you take it all. I just need what you have. I wanna be connected to you. I wanna know my God. I wanna hear from my God. I wanna be able to become what you built me to be. I just pray right now, save me, rescue me, heal me, take care of my past, take care of my present, and secure my future. I don't wanna be alone anymore. I don't wanna just be me. I wanna be all of me. I wanna be everything you made me to be. And I want you, God. I want you. I want it to be personal. I want us to have a relationship where when I'm quiet and all by myself, I can call out your name and I know you hear me. I want to know that when I'm in my difficult place that you are there holding my hand. I want to know, God, that I'm your child, that you carry a picture of me around in your wallet. I want to, I want to know, God, that I'm yours and you are mine. And so I ask, whatever that means, however that has to work, I'm all in. Let's do that. So Lord Jesus, save me, save me, save me, send your Holy Spirit into me, upon me, that I might live in victory, that I might be able to be different. God I desperately need you. For those of you like me, need the Lord and the Holy Spirit to teach us how to be living more connected. Raise your hand. Anybody need that? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of us. There's a bunch of us. Yeah, you bet, let's pray. God, pastor's talking about me. You said in your word that you would keep us in perfect peace if our eyes are stayed on you. Clearly my eyes aren't staying on you. And I don't even know why. I I can name the times, Lord, when I'm just being hard headed or I wanna sin and I'm trying to shut you out. And, but Lord, there's times when I, I feel like I want you. I feel like I'm, I'm leaning into you and I'm still freaking out. So, Lord, all that that beautiful Holy Spirit gifting, love, joy, peace, patience, kind, all that, the faithfulness, the loyalty, Lord, I want it to be natural to me. I want so much of it that it's easy to give away. So I need to learn from you, Holy Spirit, how to remain connected on a continual basis, not just a bucket full on the weekend and drying up, just a constant source. But I don't know how to do that, Lord. I know it can't simply be daily devotions. I know it can't simply be steady church attendance. It's got to be something more personal. Lord, how do I walk into work every day connected to you? How do I get on the bus connected to you? How do I go to school connected to you? How do I come home and hang with my friends connected to you? I need to know that. And maybe, Lord, you've told me and I wasn't listening. I'm listening now. So I'm asking, would you change me? Would you show me? Would you transform me? In Jesus' name. If you raise your hand to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time in that first round of prayer, in a moment we're going to have the prayer team come up here. They would love to just pray over you, encourage you and then as you leave there's a wall as you're in the lobby and it says connect on the wall right there at that place they have a packet say hey i just prayed that prayer can i have the packet it's a free packet has a bunch of info on what it means to walk with jesus they got that waiting for you there just take that on the way out and if you prayed with me for more connection with the lord and you asked him to teach you then we have a job as we walk out of here to have our eyes peeled and our ears open, listening, Lord, how are you going to teach me? How are you going to teach me? Lord, I want to do it. I want to engage with you. I want to be open to you. I want to live in more victory. But you got to just be willing to hear from him, willing to receive from him. And if you've done that, he has heard you, and he will respond. I'm so glad that you're here. I sure love you all. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next time. Praise God.